Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hindsight, a nostalgia podcast. My name is Ian, and I'm joined, as always, by still not a fish, Wes. Wes, how are you? I, 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 am, I am absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. How about yourself? What you got going on? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think we should give everyone a little, little glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak. We meet once a week and record an episode or two. Sure. And so when we see each other, there's always a lot to catch up on and... And your life is kind of crazy right now. No, 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 no. My life is always crazy. Always. It's always crazy. No. In fact, real quick, let me just explain to you. It's not, maybe it isn't that crazy. It's just that I'm such a talker and a melodramatic person that I add stuff. I don't know. I don't mean to. So I'll ask you, so how was your day? And you'll go, it was nice. Or it was bad. Or really, what was it bad about? Well, I didn't get this done or that done. And that really, that really stinks. You ask me and I'll say, well, I went to the bank. Oh, my God. When I got to the bank, you're never going to guess. I run into a guy who looks just like Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> you don't know who Captain Kangaroo is, but he had this bowl cut. So I can extrapolate. I can just build on stuff. And I don't mean to. It's That's just me. I guess I see the world in a cartoon view, I guess. I don't know. But I always you genuinely have a lot of things going on. You're going to school. You talked about that yeah. before. And for what you're going to school for, it just requires a ton of attention. A ton. And so you mix that and just with life and you're a dad and then we do the show. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, you're, you're a busy guy. I am. I am. I am swamped all the time. How do you deal with that when, when you get overwhelmed with every I get overwhelmed very easily, as, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, 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 <laughs> with work and this and fatherhood as well. Charm. Charm. <laughs> charm. I can't even talk. <laughs> I, I am so uh, confab confabulated. I can't even talk anymore. I can't use big words. I can't, everything just mushes together. Perfect for a podcast. Do you think that you've always had a problem using these big words and now you're just noticing it? No, I've oftentimes used them properly. Now I can't even say them correctly. But no, I, um, when I get stressed out, I sleep. I'm one of those people who, the more stressed I am, the sleepier I get. It's almost like I'm drunk. If I get in a fight with somebody, an intense fight, I just want to go and lay down. You know, I just want to go and take a nap. Now, you don't seem stressed out. You just seem like you have a, a lot on your plate that's that's taking your focus away yeah. from uh, the more and more lighthearted aspects of, of life. I'm trying to keep myself above water right now. There's a little bit of an emotional wave there. But, you know, one of the things about getting older is you start to learn to control those emotions. Or at least you start to sell the idea to people that you can control them. Or in my case, you just recognize that they can be controlled, but you don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, harness yeah. that power. Like, like I said, I, I get overwhelmed very easily. I don't, I don't get tired. What happens to me is I become, I think, less productive because I just get overwhelmed by everything that has to be done. So I just kind of sit there in almost a, a comatose state, looking at everything, wondering how in the world am I even going to start to chip away at everything that I have going on. You know what I do is I break away. Like, cause I have that same situation. I'll be, you know, I've got five assignments to do. I've got 10 chapters I have to read and I will read and then I'll just stop and I will look up something that comes along in my brain. You know, Oh, I'm curious about, I don't know, ancient Egyptian pharaohs of the 18th dynasty. I am weird like that. I'll read for two or three minutes just to distract myself. And then I'll come back and hit whatever it is I have to hit. Now us doing this show has helped me a lot relieve a little bit of that that work stress right where you know I can I can take an hour or two you know out of my my work week and we sit down and 
you know, kind of just talk about fun stuff, stuff that fills us with these kind of warm memories. And uh, it's, it's a great escape for me. Does this do the same thing for you? It, of course it does. In fact, you know, it's funny is part of the, the, the magic of doing this podcast, unintentional, of course, is I'm watching films from eras that mean something to me. And I am transported back in a way that that is unexpectedly magical. Sounds a little melodramatic. I'm I'm in that mood right now, I guess, but it does because I, you know, you know, the movie we're going to talk about today did that to me. I, I remember that moment, and so it has been a great escape for me to be able to walk down memory lane. But it's not just in my memory; it's it's on my TV screen, and I get to to live that moment again, being a twelve year old. So it's been a great activity for me to get away from all the stressors that are going on. Yeah. Left to my own devices. I don't think that um, I would take the time out to sit down and relax. And this is almost a forced relaxation. It is. You know, I sit down once a week, watch something or consume some sort of entertainment from yesteryear, if you will. Yeah. And uh, just kind of unwind. I'm looking at things as we do this with a, you know, a critical eye as well. Because we kind of go through things and kind of take things apart and also almost force myself to remember. Mm -hmm. Have you encountered that where, you know, we, we've talked about movies and, you know, I'll, I'll watch something and be like, man, I just don't I don't have childhood memories of this. Like, I remember this. I remember I knew I watched it as a kid, mm -hmm. but I just don't remember. So what happens is I just I dwell on that for days. Do like, you? You know, sure enough, I'll, I'll have a memory or two kind of pop up and just I'll have like that. Aha. Oh, that's right. Kind of moments. You know what it is? I, I liken that too. And I've noticed this is I picture it like like I'm being an archaeologist and my mind is slowly cracking at, you know, hammer and chisel at something. And it just this dirt just falls away, sloughs away from whatever it is that's behind it. And then I see the picture clearly and it's like. I forgot. I remembered this. You know, it, it's like a, right. it's like a, a little jewel in my brain. I'm, it makes me wonder what other stuff is floating around in my head that I don't even know about, and how much <laughs> of my time is spent thinking about stuff that is a waste of my time. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now it kind of weirds me out thinking about all the things that are in your head. I feel like there's a, a Christopher Nolan movie in there somewhere. Oh. Yeah, there could be. I remember specifically there's a, a movie. I, I don't even remember what it was at this point, but where he's like shuffling through his mind and it's like all these, uh, maybe it was Inception. Where he's oh. got all these memories in there and it's, yeah, it just seems to fit. Lots of filing cabinets and whatnot in Wes's head. that There, There is, though mine through. is more like a SpongeBob episode. <laughs> File cabinets open and I'm looking for stuff and I can't find it. <laughs> oh, this is Bizarro World because we're watching SpongeBob. <laughs> the kids are on a SpongeBob kick right now. Uh, who isn't? Wes, this is not real life. This is a simulation. That is the only explanation. What did we talk about earlier that reinforces this this theory that we're in a simulation? You brought something up. Oh, my my CD collecting and internet or uh, internet underwear purchases. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is scary that yes. both you and I at separate moments. But at the same rough time, engaged in two different things. One of them was I was on eBay looking for vinyl, vintage vinyl. And I was looking for a record player with cassettes because I want to go 
full on retro, right? I, I'm like, I miss that time. And that's what this podcast has done for me is I'm like, I want to embrace the whole thing now. I want to find yes. those old cassettes that I love so much. I want to find those old records that I loved. I want to hear the crackle. You know, I want, I'm so ready to go back in a way. You know what I mean? I'm not delusional living in a, in a hut. I just want to take a little bit for me that I don't have to pay a monthly subscription fee for. I don't want, you know, I just want to be able to have the real thing. Right. A month ago, I bought my first actual CD in years. And now I'm all wanting vinyl and I'm wanting cassettes. And so you were online doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was on eBay buying um, unopened original pressings of CDs from overseas from my favorite bands that have, you know, the secret tracks. And it's just kind of fun, you know, being an adult and having $20 to spare to buy one of these CDs, which wasn't the case when this was coming out when I was 19. Yeah. 20 was a lot. Yeah. A ton. So now it's just, yeah. So I'm, I'm buying like original UK pressings of AFI Sing the Sorrow and bought some distillers albums and just it's fun and it it does it it fills me with this doing the show creates an even deeper nostalgia within me and that in turn is is leading to me collecting yeah which in turn fills a void of a hobby which i kind of have in my life i'm so busy with with work and kids stuff that i don't have any any hobbies where i used to i just don't have and Hobbies the weirdest now. thing is that it's triggered both of us in the same way. Yes. At the same time. We haven't talked about this. Neither of us have brought up buying vinyl or a record player or any of this stuff. No. No. And then what was the other one? Underwear. I'm having a bad underwear day because I bought these the, this underwear online and it just doesn't fit properly is you the got best way Wish. to explain it. Yeah. You got it from Wish. No, no. Yes, one the <laughs> underwears without they're the, size uh, the small. butt. Yeah. Yeah, they're, <laughs> their size small is so small. Right. <laughs> it came with a paddle and whip. It was a real fun little bonus, but I don't know. <laughs> yes, keep it clean. This is for ping pong, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> ping pong uh-huh. and uh, Indiana Jones cosplay. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I, too, have, in the last week, purchased underwear on the online it's like what are the weird odds we're just living in a simulation this isn't real life it can't be how many of you out there just suddenly got the urge like in the last week to buy underwear online right there's got to be more of you Wes. they're all npcs nobody's really out there because this is the matrix it's us it's just us i think it's just me and maybe you think it's just you well you're just an npc in my life well right Ouch. Well, you know what I wow. mean. I am not you. Yes, but but do I ever say canned stuff? In fact, I frustrate you a lot. You have a lousy poker face. So if I was an NPC, <laughs> you'd be like, you want me to be an NPC because you'll say, you'll, you'll, you'll give me something and I will totally take it a different direction. And you're like, I can see it in your eyes. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. To be fair, everyone gets that look from me, though. <laughs> oh. and, and what do we do with that look? Ignore it. Everyone, well, just anything I say around my house. What? Oh my gosh, that's that's right, that's right. Well, that makes sense. Why why we're we're doing a podcast because people will listen. Or at least our moms will listen. Oh, hi mom. Hi mom. 
<laughs> I have to be careful too because I I get so colorful about describing my family that I always end up getting hate mail from relatives. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. No, here here's the true thing. So, I haven't gotten into this yet. It's just part of how I tell stories oftentimes when there's a conversation those people in my life that have been ever present and ever colorful will I will give them their own voices. And so I can't help it. I just start telling stories with people's voices. And so I'll let you know who they are when they come up. Um, but you have yet to develop a voice. So we really need to work on this. Because when I tell stories to other people about you, I don't mimic your voice in a funny, comical way yet. Hmm, I'm not sure any mimicking of my voice would be funny and comical. Oh, trust me. I, th- I Actually, I don't, think, I don't think there's any mimicry needed. <laughs> I, hmm. Uh, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I, I love your face. See, I actually, you know, this is the problem with the podcast. I have so much fun saying something and just driving you crazy. I, I enjoy it. I get a little, his eyebrow will raise just a little bit and his lip will quiver just a little bit. And it gives me pleasure. Yeah. I'm also having a bad eyebrow day. So it's a good thing that this isn't on video. I've got this eyebrow here on my left eyebrow. Just stick straight up. Dude, welcome to old manhood. That's your first, that's your first four. Everybody who's listening, who's over the age of, I don't know, 40 for sure can tell you, and this is, this is something that you don't know being younger. When you go to get your hair cut, they will cut your eyebrows without even, even being asked. It's embarrassing and convenient. It's amazing. That has happened to me before. Oh, you're early. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, you want me to trim your eyebrows? I was like, what? Is that a thing? It is now. And she's like, yeah. Well, and if you go in with a if you go in with a tank top, she'll probably also trim your back hair. So just be prepared. Oh, I'm very lucky. I have no back hair. I have one <laughs> shoulder hair. One. Yes. Spiders. Yeah. Little spider <laughs> shoulder hair. Oh man, I hate those. <laughs> no, but my back to my bad eyebrow day. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, look at this. Nothing I can do. It won't go down. There's nothing. She's like, do you want me to tweeze it? And I said, no, this is this is just the way I look now. So <laughs> the, the crazier my eyebrows get, it's just the new me. There's a new normal that we live in, this crazy society of ours. And so this is just the new me. So as my face gets covered up by masks, the part of me that people see that maybe they wouldn't be paying attention to in the past are now all they'll notice. And it's going to be my crazy Eugene Levy eyebrows. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good segue. Thank you. Thank I you. like that. <laughs> yeah. Wes, what are we talking about today? Let's get down to well, business here. We were talking about 1984's Splash, starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah, and of course, Eugene Levy. Or is it Levy? It's Levy. I think it's Levy. It? I think it's Levy, too. Yep. 1984. Oh, and John Candy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, John Candy. May he so rest much in to peace. talk about. So much to talk about with this movie. But first, 1984 was the best year in American history, for that is the year that I came on the scene. That's the year of George Orwell. Well, October 2nd of that year is the, the best day. <laughs> Known <laughs> You're like, nationwide. My thunder, West. Gosh. <laughs> you, am I giving you that look? Is that what's happening? Uh-huh. You can read my eyes. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, that's my moment, Wes. It's my moment. Oh, I hate you so much. You act like, you act like Sean Astin from the Goonies. It's my moment. Oh. My moment down here. That is a low blow. No. Anyways, Splash. <laughs> Splash. 1984. Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, Eugene Levy, uh, John Candy, and a plethora of other actors whose names I don't know. Yeah. And they aren't really relevant. No. It's really just to, the, 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 the quartet. Yeah. Uh, now, it was directed by Ron Howard. Yeah. 
And it was a Brian Grazer movie, and he's gone on from this to really become a pretty prolific producer. Oh, uh, a, a lot of, of movies. What is it, Apollo 13? Uh, Beautiful Minds, uh, Cinderella Man. Uh, he, I think he won an Academy Award. I think I read that. For, yeah, there's a couple. Uh, for Beautiful Mind. I, well, certainly deserved it. That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Cinderella Man, also a, a Russell Crowe uh, movie that he's responsible for. So those guys, when they team up, they really can do something special. But And in addition, this was Touchstone's first release. It was. Touchstone or Division of Disney, as we talked about before. Right. But this, this was it. This was number one for them. Uh, a way for them to fund a movie that was more adult in nature and uh, not get any of the the flack for it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and it was also, I think, Tom Hanks' first big screen adventure. I, I think this one or Bachelor Party might have been his first big screen as as the lead. I know he was in like a slasher movie in like the 70s, but it was his first leading man role. In fact, little known fact, Roger Ebert panned this movie because he didn't like the idea of an unknown guy named Tom Hanks being the lead. He thought John Candy would be a better lead in the movie and swapped it around. And I thought, oh, that would have made it an interesting I like that idea more, idea. honestly. Yeah, I thought, I, I didn't hate that idea. Right? I, I read his reasoning. I saw that as well. Did you? Yeah. And I think what they said was it would make the movie warmer if it was the big fat guy that was yeah. having the mermaid fall in love with him. Yeah. Right? Because John Candy just... He can't get out of his own way in this movie. Yeah. But let's break down the characters a little yeah. bit before we get too too deep into John Candy. Let's let's talk about Tom Hanks. He's the the star, the 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 lead in this. Alan Bauer is his name. Mm. And he's this guy that And he looks so young. Oh my oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> he's he's very young. Dude. He's in his own head. He's in his head the entire movie. Every time something goes wrong, it's it's the end of the world. He's never gonna find love. He's never gonna get married. And I watch this with my wife and she says He's you. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, did you say Alan Bauer or Ian? Uh, did, so you see that as well. I saw that. Yeah. I told her she's nuts. No, it's totally but you. I guess You're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was uh, a little bit disappointing and disheartening to hear. Nah, it's just how we, it's just how we roll. What do you think of Tom Hanks in this? Well, I, I, you know, what's funny is I like early Tom Hanks. His filmography, you know, is hit or miss in the 80s. Primarily because it was comedies, and comedies are difficult. Uh, He's hilarious. But this this movie, well, this movie I I like him in, and one of the things about acting that you'll notice, uh, you will rarely see dramatic actors going comedic. Some of them can do it, but you'll rarely see them do it. But if a guy, if, if an actor can do comedy, because comedy is about timing, if a guy can do comedy then naturally they'll be able to do dramatic acting because it's supposed to be easier to do. There's less, there's no timing involved with dramatic acting. Sure. Robin Williams mm-hmm. is a good example of that. Yeah. yeah. Even Jim Carrey's had some, some strong roles in, in which he's been serious. Well, they always, they always refer back to Tom Hanks. You know, it's kind of like that. Oh, they're trying to do a Tom Hanks, you know? Oh, he was going for an Oscar, you know, because he transitioned from these, 80s comedies to these 90s tearjerkers to these dramatic films, you know, and they get more and more and more dramatic as they go along. And that is a testament to his abilities, but it's also part of that whole acting theory that if you could do comedies, you can do drama. I, I enjoy his goofiness. He is, uh, I, I think, absolutely hilarious. 
Tom Hanks ha- has this charm to him that not a charm. lot of actors have. He does. When you're looking at his career, and I don't want to get too off topic here, but when you, you look at his career over the years, I think it's like the last time you really saw Tom Hanks, kind of that goofy, oh, come on, you know, yeah. what mannerism that he has was Castaway, I think. Ever since mm. then, it's been a while we, since we don't get like Tom Hanks being Tom Hanksy. It, it's great in this. Like, I, I love the scene. You know, he's in the the tank all by himself. You know, he, he's oh, naked in there. He's, he's covering his, his yeah. covering his crotch. He's like, I'm not a fish. I'm not a fish. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's something that is is unique to him. His delivery of situations, these kind of awkward situations, and uh, just ha- the expression on his face. I, I think he's a very special actor, especially when we're looking at those uh, 80s and early 90s movies. Make what you will of his his modern stuff, but yeah. Fair enough. I think he's perfectly cast in this. And mm-hmm. I guess there were like 20 other actors that were up for this role and that had turned it down. It was an immense amount. M- maybe less than that. Maybe 11 or, or something. Yeah, I, but I, Yeah, that's um, about right. I guess he he's told a joke several times where he refers to himself as, you know, the, the 11th choice or, or whatever the number was. Hey, for gets this the role. job done. And we talked about it before, kind of trying to imagine movies with a different uh, lead actor, and I can't, I can't picture anyone else for this. It's well, you know what, it, you know what, part of it is, is because this film has a lot of heart, and and I, I enjoy, I one, I think that there's a, there is a chemistry, and we've seen movies where there's no chemistry, right, and then there's such a, a great amount of chemistry, oddly, between Daryl Hannah and and Tom Hanks in this movie that I really appreciated his charm. His decency. That's something that I would say I think most people would agree that Tom Hanks just naturally comes off as a decent person. Which there's some character choices in this that definitely aren't decent and very shallow. There are. There are. And I remember, you know, it's funny, and we're talking about this. I remember watching this in the theaters when I was 12 years old. And I remember there was a there was a moment in the movie where he lets her go and She's hollering for him, and I and I got mad again when I watched it this last time because I'm like, how could he? Right. How could he do that? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. He comes off as decent, but his character makes some questionable choices. And then it's even more troubling that everyone says that I am him. Well, aspects of him. I don't, I don't know. If your wife suddenly had flippers, I don't know how you'd act. I'd like to think that I wouldn't allow her to be squirreled away by... Bingo. The, these That's actors. the scene yeah. <laughs> that I hated. I hate that scene. Government agents. Yeah. And also that's a really telling that's a really telling scene with my 2021 vision, right? Government agents just whisk him away. Right. And then they've got him in a tank for what, 12 hours sitting in there. Then they just drop him off black van and right. off he goes and I thought, <laughs> "Wow, this was 1984." Hmm. Oh. Oh. Right. Oh, is there a connection there? There's a connection there. Let's talk about Daryl Hannah. Uh, what do you know about her? I'm I'm very unfamiliar with her in general. I know that she's a political activist and she's a, I do a know this animal rights activist. Daryl Hannah was at some point in her childhood they thought that she had uh, learning disabilities and what they would have called autism at that time. She did she over- learn how to speak English by watching the TV? Lord knows I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I sounded like uh, uh, Barney uh, Fife for the longest time because that's what I watched. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Golly, Andy. <laughs> no. Um, but, and, uh, you know, of course, she made 
she made a comeback. She she was in uh, what a number of films that were of note. Still Magnolias. She was also in um, Kill Bill. And That's right. She was in Kill Bill. Yeah. I remember that. I've never yeah. seen Steel Magnolias. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but Kill Bill. You're you're right. Yeah. I completely forgot. I didn't even associate her as the same person. And she was also in a movie with another Tom Hanks comparable comparable actor. Uh, she was in Roxanne with Steve Martin. Oh. Yep. Where he tries to woo her. I'll have to watch that. That's yeah. actually on my Amazon list. Is it? I don't yeah. think I've seen it before. It's a it's a good movie. It's it's kind of lighthearted fare as well. Like I said, I'm having a lot of fun going back and watching these eighties comedies. A lot of them I've never seen before, but they're there's they're very special and they're very unique in time. They, yeah. they really stand well, out. They do, and there's there is a pacing, there is a the way they score the music, the way they come at it, that while we would look at it and go, Oh, it's clearly eighties, there's something comforting and there's something enticing about it i don't know what it is comforting that yeah maybe that's what what's going on here yeah we've we've talked a hundred times world is chaos Mm -hmm. and i'm sure by the time this airs the world will still be chaos Mm -hmm. but watching these movies it's not just escapism it is comforting it is incredible that was this movie gave me so much comfort just to watch it to to see the, the the sets the scenery the dialogue the even the off colored aspects of the film were kind of sweet you know john candy in this movie and we'll talk about it in a second vulgar but 1980s vulgar now that kind of vulgarity is so sweet right you know what i mean it's almost kid-like it's like oh yeah now it would just go in the disney movie and not the touchstone exactly yeah, yeah exactly let's talk about john candy no i him. found him just so cringeworthy. Almost everything he did, every yes. line he had, yeah. bringing the the penthouse magazine. Why penthouse? Why did they <laughs> pick penthouse of all the adult magazines? Why the like the most extreme? Okay, but here's why: they make a reference to penthouse forums, and that's like dirty letters, or so I hear. I don't know, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> but why not uh, a letter to the editor and Playboy? I mean, it's, it's far more, and it, like they just. They went all out to make this guy as pervy as possible. Well, in in the movie, what's his shtick? Dropping change down so he could look up, up women's skirts. As a kid, and then again as an adult, and I believe this line is, I stick, I with, stick what with what works. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh. Now if I ever drop change, I'm just walking away. Oh, you, you have to. You, you just hope if you drop change behind a woman and they're wearing a dress that they've never seen Splash. Right. Or I'm okay. just going to say, ma'am, can you move? I'm going to pick this. <laughs> I really want. These are quarters. Okay. If it was pennies or nickels, I would walk away. Absolutely. These are quarters here. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just go down. Here, here's another way to do it. You could just go down and comment on her shoes so she knows where you're looking. Wow. Are those Ferragamos? <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. So he, he has this pervy nature. I don't know anything about shoes. I, I don't love even it. know if what I you got said him was a again. real shoe. I got him again. He did. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Anyways, go ahead. So we, we've established, the movie establishes he's this pervert, but he's also just a sleazebag. And we see him trying to negotiate a business deal and use his brother, who has his head injury, he uses Tom Hanks and says he's a Vietnam veteran and a grenade went off in his helmet or, or some nonsense. <laughs> And the guy's like, oh, what? And it's like, oh, yeah, every time the telephone rings, you know, because he was a phone operator in the Army in Vietnam. (laughs) I I think it's more fun listening to you say it. (laughs) He is just a sleazebag through and through a sleazebag. Which is unusual for John Candy. I don't know if what it is about him, but even though he's a sleazebag, 
you still kind of want to hang out with a guy. I still kind of want to go get drinks with him. Oh, oh, well, just don't get drunk with him. Um, he does have kind of a lovable moment at the end, you know, and we'll, we'll go over kind of some of the plot points in a few minutes, but I just want to touch on this now. Tom Hanks is, is really struggling with this, you know, oh, this girl that he's madly in love with is a mermaid. You know, this is terrible. Well, he doesn't know it for a while. Right. He doesn't know. Right. He doesn't know. And when he finds out, you know, he's kind of distraught and distances himself from her. And John Candy's like, look, I'll never experience what you have. I'll never experience this love. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a sleazebag and I can't get out of my own way. I'm a mess. <laughs> right. And there's so, a lesson there. That's actually probably that's a truism that everybody who's wandered afar figures out eventually is that sleaziness don't make you happy. Well, it Just also an aside. that's an aside. It also kind of rings true to me in a way, because every once in a while I'll, you know, take things for granted and I have to kind of bring myself back and center myself and just be like, look how great my life is. Yeah. And what, what am I doing? Why am I feeling down about this? You know? You've got a great life. You do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Take stock. So it's it just kind of rings true. That was a really nice moment in this movie. And the only time in this movie where John Candy is self-aware. Like he understands what he is. Well, and this, and that's something else in this film. You know, I know it's very American to have a happy ending, right? But I like the fact that the the characters that you don't like have moments of redemption. You know, because like I said, there's four characters. Let's talk about redemption. Let's talk about Eugene Levy. Yeah, I love Eugene Levy. I, I like him in all the mockumentaries he's in. I loved him in Shit's Creek. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen Shit's Creek, you have to go watch this show. It is really something special, and it's him and his son. It's kind of a cult classic, and it's still on. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's uh, off. Is off it off? It's finished. Yeah. Oh, okay. Last season, not so great, oh. but the the early seasons of it, it's it's really something that it, it's infinitely quotable, and we might even have to visit on the show. I may have to check it out. I've I have not watched it. I don't have to. I don't no. unless I am making time. I don't do it. Yeah. Anyway, Eugene Levy's also the dad in American Pie. And that's almost like one of our lost episodes where we meant to do an episode on it and we just haven't gotten to it. That's and, right. And we yeah. will, maybe. It's, a, it's a, <laughs> a little bit more inappropriate than I remember it being. So I don't really know how to talk about it without it being an explicit episode. Right. And we don't want that here. No, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I, we're striving for a, a family rating. friendly. Yeah. Unless Wes is talking about air plumbing. Then that's fine. Every 12 year old <laughs> boy loves the idea of air plumbing. Oh boy. Moving on. Eugene Levy. What he's a scientist and he's kind of a, a fringe scientist looking for what is he? Is he looking for a mermaid in the beginning? I don't think Actually, so. I don't think he is. No, it's something else. And he just runs into her in the ocean. Right. And, but he talks to one of his old professors right. and says, you showed us this. You, you told us, you know, this is where the the sailors of old would would see mermaids. Yeah. So maybe he was. We really don't know. We don't know. But he does everything he can once he finds Daryl Hannah. Yeah. To capture her. And that's the, that's what's funny is how he keeps hosing down the same people. He's all over New York City, and he keeps dousing the same woman. And he gets <laughs> water further and further injured yes. throughout the movie. Yes. And then he shows up at the presidential dinner with his arm in a cast that's propped up and his, you know, he, he's, just, he's a wreck. And they're like, what are you going to do? Is your arm broken? You can't work here. And he's like, the union sent me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that shut him up. Now, just real quick and a quick, a quick yes. primer, everyone. The, the, the plot basically is, uh, you know, uh, Tom Hanks character 
meets uh, her in the ocean when they're kids. They meet again in the ocean, and then she finds his wallet in the sea and brings it back to him in New York City. And they fall for each other, and she learns English in a day from watching TV shows, and she wants to tell him the truth about her, but she can't, she can't, she can't. And then Eugene sprays her with water in a very public way, and that's where that awful scene happens. And then... So... Out, out of water, she has legs. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets wet, she grows her flippers. Right. Her, yep. her tail. Her flipper. Yeah, yeah. flipper. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for realism in your movies, this is not the movie to look at. There, There's not a lot to keep this movie grounded in. It's more or less just a cartoon, a live action cartoon. The relationship is just off the rails, just instantly in love. It's romantic. It, no. You black-hearted <laughs> the a thousand pound fountain ends up in his, yeah. you know, four story apartment building. Like there, there's so yeah. much in this movie that you have to suspend disbelief because it's just a little bit nuts. There's a mermaid. That is true. But that, I that get your point. point. But your point is also valid because I because I watch it now. Now I watch films differently. And a couple of things I noticed when I watched this as a kid, I didn't notice any of that inconsistency. I thought it was an amazing movie. I Loved it. And now I watch it and I go, oh, well, that was a little awkward. And where did she get the money to buy the clothes at the department store? And, you know, but but I will say this. I want to do a quick aside. I remember I was so in love with Daryl Hannah in this movie that I have run across over the years at my mom. She keeps like scrap boxes, uh, scrapbooks of all of our stuff that we drew or whatever. And there are a couple of pictures of me drawing Daryl Hannah as Madison, the character so I clearly, I was in love with her. You know, I just thought, oh, she was amazing. So anyways, I digress. That's something I remember watching this movie as a, a kid too. I don't know how old I was. I mean, yeah. the movie was. It was older by the time you yeah, watched it. Yeah. I probably saw it when I was six or seven. I, I imagine just mm-hmm. at somebody's house or something. I feel like I just watched this movie for the first time though. Even though I've seen it before. Yeah. I get so much more from it as an adult. The eyes of a child and an mm-hmm. adult are so different, especially when I'm viewing, like all these jokes are just were so above my head. Oh, mine too. I just yeah. missed it completely, and then that makes me think. Oh, when I watch something at home with my kids, maybe you know, uh, an a, adult comment or a joke just flies over their heads and doesn't even register either. Yeah. Oh yeah. At one point, Absolutely. Tom Hanks comes down. He's like, I oh, have you seen the girl I was with, or I I need a girl, or, and he's like, oh, two hundred dollars. It's like. You don't get that when you're when no, you're six. No, not that at means all. Nothing. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Eugene Levy's kind of redemption arc. So he goes through all this to to capture her. The government agents take her away, and they start doing experiments. I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. And he starts to feel bad. I don't know why he's there. Anyways, he should not be there. This is 1984. The Cold War is still going on. Mm-hmm. And Eugene Levy is he this crackpot. He doesn't have clearances, but he's right. there anyways. Well, you know, and, and can I just say that I didn't realize until watching this as an adult at what an amazing, emotive actress Daryl Hannah was. Because I watched it, and I just could tell without her saying anything in certain scenes, she just conveyed so much. She did a really good job. If you missed that because you're looking for boob, I was watching her face, so... Just to keep it classy there. She was excellent in this. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly so. I didn't know that it was her and Kill Bill just until oh, yeah. you brought it up. Yeah. So that kind of makes me look at this a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. She was one of those uh, actresses that I just, 
I have enjoyed her in the films that she's been in. She's always been kind of under the radar, though. You know, never. I mean, this is a woman who, who uh, I, I, she may still do it, but she was driving around in a food oil combustion engine truck yeah. out in like New Mexico, I think is where she was living. She is very dedicated to her beliefs. Mm-hmm. I respect that. Whether or not I agree with her is a different matter, but yeah. the fact that she has these convictions to the point that I guess it was even a problem on set. Because she didn't want to eat the lobster. Yeah. I, I read some little note about her like crying for the lobsters that had been killed. Interesting. She's a very interesting person. Yes. yes. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. All right. So I wa- let's talk about the ending of this. Okay. It's established in this movie that Tom Hanks, he can't swim. Right. At the beginning, he almost drowns. and Well, in the beginning, he just jumps off the boat. Did you notice? Yeah, let's that? talk about that. He doesn't. What trip. is that about? So, so at the beginning of the film, it's all in sepia tones, so that we know that it was, and it also says twenty right. years earlier. So we know this is in the, in the past. And then he's just this forlorn kid, for no reason. And then the next scene, they show him jumping. Yeah, the water into the was water. extra sparkly. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. he just jumped in the water. So we've now laid the groundwork that he's probably bipolar. Or there's some mental health issue going on there, right? And then he meets a mermaid baby, mermaid kid, mm-hmm. and they they go gaga for each other in the water, and then he gets rescued. That whole premise, I was like, oh. When I was 12 and watching this, I thought, oh, that's cute. I watch it now, and I'm like, this this kid's got some serious problems. He needs some help. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That didn't, of all the other flaws and continuity errors in this yeah. movie, I didn't catch that one. Yeah. So then we see him again. He's on the little boat. He's going out to Cape Cod. Yep. He's on this little tiny boat, two miles from shore. That's a and, long way. And the, yeah, and the guy that, that's taking him out there, the engine dies. And so he jumps out the boat. And it's like, oh, it's just a quick swim, just two miles. This guy that I don't think he could run. The guy was like 400 pounds. His <laughs> so, buoyancy would help him, but that's about it. You know, he's out of the boat. Tom Cruise is in the boat freaking out. Tom Cruise is in there, too? Or not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks. Splashdown. (laughs) Would this be better with Tom Cruise? No, because Tom Cruise could do many things, but he doesn't come off as that kind of affable everyman. No. No, no. right? Tom Hanks is everyman. Not enough explosions in this movie to warrant a a Tom Cruise casting. Fair enough. When was the last romantic comedy you saw Tom Cruise in? Exactly. Hmm. Mission Impossible 14. Maybe 15. <laughs> I know. Tom, let it go. Let it go. New stunt. He's holding onto the side of an airplane. He does his yeah. own stunts. It's old. It's old. It's old. I know. Uh, okay. So Tom Hanks falls off, gets knocked out of the boat, and, and he's saved by, by Daryl Hannah. He, he yep. can't, he's unconscious. And then later on in the movie, the, the end, right? She jumps in the water, escaping the military and police. And... He decides, even after she tells him, that if he goes with her, he can never go back. Right. He jumps in. What does that mean? Why can he never go back? And how can he swim and breathe underwater now? Right. You know, because here's the thing. Movies do this a lot, right? They give you this ending where it is, you have to choose. There is no gray area. There is only black and white. And life doesn't work like that. It just works like that in Hollywood movies. Cause I was watching that going, cause he's like, Oh, I'm going to go back and hang out with Freddie for Christmas. And she's like, no, you have to stay in the water forever. Right. And I thought just like Hollywood, she can come out. Yeah, she could. But you know, what's interesting about this. And I didn't realize I should have, but it has a lot of uh, shades of the, the little mermaid story, right? 
She sees some uh, uh, a prince. She falls in love with him from afar. She gives up her voice to get him to fall in love with her. Right. Right. And I didn't realize that they basically changed it a lot. But that core story is there. Apparently, Daryl Hannah loves The Little Mermaid. And as a kid, she was kind of obsessed with the, the Hans Christian Andersen yeah. story uh, to the point, And that's one of the reasons why she wanted to be in this movie. And also, I read that in the, the animated Little Mermaid, Ariel was supposed to be blonde. But because of Splash, she was animated to be a redhead. Okay. Whether or not that's true, who knows? Well, here's another interesting thing about this movie. We all know people named Madison. I have a sister named Madison. Okay, there you go. But this film is what started the whole Madison as is a name thing. I thought James Madison started that. that... <laughs> well, you know, or Dolly Madison. Huh. But no, seriously, I it, it was this movie. They had picked this name, you know, where she just plucks the name off of, you know, they ask her what he asks her what her name is. She right. sees they're on Madison Avenue and she just says, Madison. Because it was kind of a play that she takes her name from a street. Isn't that funny? <laughs> right. And as time goes on. Because the TV taught her to read, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then now every year, Madison has become, become progressively more and more and more popular. But it was this movie that really set it off as a girl's name. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Something else that's interesting. And we talked about. uh kind of the end and, and Tom Hanks deciding that he's going to just cast aside all his earthly responsibilities and run away with this woman under the sea. Mm -hmm. After the credits, they go, we're treated to this like scene of this hand drawn. It's like a underwater kingdom, like the mermaid kingdom. Yes. That they they're yeah. going to. Now I saw this video online and it broke things down and there was a theory. Did you see this too? No. Do tell. Where he dies. This is death because Mermaid lore, the sirens, lead the men, kill the men. Doom. Yeah, they they drown them. Yeah. So ultimately, she came ashore and lured a man to his death, and that this was just that would now that makes total sense if this were a French film. <laughs> Again with the French films, <laughs> dude. French films are always about somebody dying at the end. Your favorite hero, the favorite character, gets palsy and dies, or gets consumption and dies. Maybe this is just what happens when a movie is so shallow. We have to get, <laughs> get it. it. Get it. Sorry, you're the one that said it. I don't get it. Break it down for me. Oh, painful. But uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but a movie is again so shallow. And void of any real meaning where we want to put something else into it to make it seem a little bit well I deeper. also well there's that <laughs> but I also think there's this inclination with people have too much time they do this with the whole Disney universe right because now everything has to have an interweaving universe right. they just do that with everything because they do that with Greece we could talk about the movie Greece too uh, Greece also um but you know in that one Sandy actually drowns and the and the car is her going off to heaven at the right. end. I mean, it's just it's all just the theories end with, with death. death. That's what I'm saying. And then M Night Shyamalan comes along, and all of a sudden Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Yeah, he does it for us. See, yeah, they, yeah. Shyamalan was ahead of the head of the game. I got to be honest, I did not like this movie very much. Fair enough. You do, I but do. do you like the movie or do you like the memories that you have associated with? I it? don't like the movie as much as I 
remember like you know how like, there are some films you watch like we talk about Clash of the Titans where I watched it and I still enjoyed it. I still had fun with that one. Sure. And then I watched this one and the affection that I have for it is largely found in my memories in the fact that I just think Daryl Hannah is just angelic in this and I like Tom Hanks in this. And that is about it because the story was a little drawn out in part in parts and a little convoluted and the 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 sequencing was off, you know, and there were things that were so out of sync that it just it was inconsistent. I think the problem I had going into this as an adult was I did do a little bit of research on the movie before I watched it and just in the most shallow sense again i keep coming back to shallow and, and deep and you're making splash jokes i've there. done it once one no. I, time i know what you're thinking oh my I, I know gosh. what you're thinking i see it in your eyes you're as bad as my mother do it one time and you never let him go i like your mom <laughs> i think she sounds really rad <laughs> she's really crazy but she's very sweet love you mom this is a ron howard movie yeah this is the same guy that did apollo 13 with tom hanks he also got his, I, you know, I think that their relationship was established when uh, Tom Hanks was doing like a, a small guest role on Happy Days. And that's how the two of them got to know each other. We've seen that they can achieve greatness. Apollo 13, in my opinion, and the critics, is an amazing movie. Just a, a really, really standout movie. And the critics. Oh, everyone loved Apollo 13. No, I'm saying I like that, but I wouldn't use and the critics as Well, an I'm just saying that I, I, what I am saying Cannot be disputed. <laughs> cannot be disputed. It's, it's a simple movie. fact. It's a good movie. As talented as these guys are as a team. But they were new also. This was a new this was one of the first films for Ron them. Howard had been involved in movies and TV shows since he was Opie. Right. Was this his first film that he directed? No, but it was I I don't believe it was. Okay. I, I, I can't think remember. what I saw was there was a couple of earlier ones, okay. but real small, yeah. small budget things. I don't know. I don't know if it was the writing or, or what it was, but this movie just doesn't feel right to have the these top tier. Now, it was the beginning of Brian Grazer's career, mm -hmm. and he's the one responsible for the story primarily. Sure. There's other writers attributed to it, but the whole splash and the mermaid coming out was his story, yeah. something he came up with. And he went on, like we talked about, to, to absolute greatness, Some more great or less. great films, yeah. It's interesting that it all started here with... A fun movie, but not a good movie. I would say that, that that's a good way to put it. It's a fun movie. And then they all went on to make good movies that are not fun movies. <laughs> well, yes, they did. That's true. Um, and then, of course, poor John Candy didn't make it into the 21st century. I'm not very familiar with, with John Candy's work and kind of timeline and filmography. I think, though, that 1984, when Splash came out, was kind of relatively early in his career. It was relatively early uh, as far as being a, a big player in the film. Because if you remember in 1983, he was in vacation, but he was only like the, he was like a security guard at Wally World. And so it wasn't a huge role. And then Splash comes along and then he goes on to do, you know, some, some, some of the films that we, we think of when we think of John Candy, like Spaceballs in 87, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. When so. did, uh, is that Uncle Buck? Uncle when did that come Buck out? Uncle Buck was 1989. Great Outdoors, 88. Okay. And then Uncle Buck was 89. So he was just hitting his stride in the late 80s. So I read this the story about John Candy, and I don't know if you read the same thing. One day, they had to postpone filming because he 
was just nowhere to be found. And he had this relatively sterling reputation at the time of being very professional, uh, very timely, and he just, nobody could get a hold of him. He was just gone. So several hours later, uh, they're still waiting for him, and he, he finally shows up. I was like, where have you been? He's like, I'm so sorry. I, I went out last night to get a drink, and over sitting in the corner of the bar I was at was Jack Nicholson, and he started buying me drinks, and I'd never met him before. And so I was kind of starstruck, and so I'm drinking with him, and the last thing I really remember is him patting me on the back and saying, you're going to go far, kid. And that's Jack Nicholson. I have to drink with him. And so I, I would have done the same thing. I guess. I guess. I wonder what Jack Nicholson is like. Because I don't think that he's the type of person I'd really want to hang out with more than once. Probably not. But, you know. But John Candy, that would have been fun. I think that he would have been a, a good time. Yeah. But I remember when he died. His passing was, uh, that that one was a sad moment. It was just, when did he die? 1994. 94. Yeah. I was 22 when he died. Well, I was 10. Yeah. Yeah, so that didn't stick with me. No. I remember when Chris Farley died. Yep. And, and same feeling. These funny big guys yeah. just had it, just had this great heart. They just came off, you know, that, that heart just, well. Well, Chris Farley was drugs. <laughs> <laughs> that, but I mean... On camera, they were just such likable, affable characters, yeah. right? They couldn't you you couldn't see them in a drama very well because they were so absolutely yeah. It's a shame because I think that he would have had a really fun career. I yeah. would like to see more John Candy movies, and he's in so many movies. It, it, it'll happen frequently where I'm watching a movie and he'll pop up. He does, and it's especially like, oh, from I, a certain era. Yeah, I didn't know he was in this. I, that's that's yeah. great to see him. But anyways, Wes, I'm kind of like I said, I'm not. I wasn't really into Splash. It was it was fun. It was lighthearted, kind of relatively shallow, and maybe it was spoiled because I was you know compared to Alan Bauer, Tom Hanks' character. <laughs> I, I, I don't it. know. I could have ruined it for me. I have very loose childhood memories about it. I'm just not not a lot there for me. It's fun to talk about Tom Hanks and to see Tom Hanks. It's, it's cool to see uh, Daryl Hannah, and it was fun talking about her and not realizing that that she's in Kill Bill. John Candy is heartwarming, and, and Eugene Levy is hilarious. So it's fun to kind of see these people, but outside of the cast, not a lot there for me. Do you, do you have any, no, any final know, thoughts? I, I This is a great movie. If, if you're going to watch it for the ki- with the kids, I really do think that. Uh, you know, the Again, like my last recommendation, there's a little bit of boob, but it's not noticeable. You're not really going to be focusing in on it, especially if you're just a regular kid no a lot of the kind of adult jokes would go over the, the Absol- absolutely absolutely yeah. they that, that stuff's not gonna not gonna fly and it is something that if you're an 80s fan or if you're just wanting to find something comfortable and inviting this is that kind of movie you know it's got that 80s feel it's just it feels simpler and it's a movie for a simpler time yeah it's it's nothing if you don't want to get deep or involved in a mm-hmm. in a story, this is very light watching, and, and for that, it's fine. It, it Light-hearted serves its romantic comedy, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I think that that wraps it up. It does. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Later. Hindsight, a nostalgia podcast, is a product of Forgotten Man Media and is sponsored in part by Four Six One Veteran Clothing Company. If you would like to support our show, please consider subscribing and leaving a nice review on the podcast service of your preference. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.